This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Holiday weekend podcast. Hope everybody is having a great Fourth of July weekend and beyond. Whatever you're doing, you're taking off uh, work on Monday and Tuesday, uh, my, I tip my cap to you if you've got that long of a holiday. But, of course, our podcast is brought to us by the great people at Bet Rivers. If you haven't downloaded the app, I don't know what more I can tell you. What do you want me to send you a letter in the mail? you got to download the app, Bet Rivers. You can make a lot of cash. you got tennis coming up. Wimbledon, always good. If you had Ricky Fowler this weekend, you cashed in on some money. How about that? you got to get that app and play along, however. Today, we're going to talk to Keith Pompey. He covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer, trying to make sense of this James Harden situation. So let's start with the current, which leads off with the James Harden situation. Now, I got to be honest with you, I did not expect this kind of result. I I was kind of flabbergasted by it because we were all conditioned to think that Harden was going to opt out of his contract, that the Sixers were going to get him on a more team-friendly contract that maybe three years at less money because that's basically all he was going to get. Uh, the market wasn't really good for him. So I'm thinking that his camp would say, okay, that's the best I can do. I might as well because I'm playing with a team that's still competitive to win something. But that's not what happened. Harden says, I'm opting in. And not only am I opting in, but I'm only opting in with the proviso that you trade me. So in other words, if I'm opting in, you don't trade me, I'm going to hold out there. I'm going to hang out in Houston. And then you can call me when you're ready to do it. Now, the Sixers had their backs against the wall with this situation. You know, the story said the Sixers were prepared for this and they were exploring trades anyway. I don't buy it. I think this was sprung on them. And I don't think they were exploring trades with James Harden until he made that decision to opt in and say he wants to be traded. Now they have to explore the trades or now they have to call his bluff. So let's look at the Sixers side of this. I'm guessing that the Sixers said, and I don't know if this is Dal Morey or why, because that's his guy. And so maybe Dal Morey found religion and said, I see his abilities now. They're not the same. So we are only willing to commit two years. And we're only going to pay the same money. Or maybe just a little raise. And you're still making more money. You got two years. And I think that he was offended by that. So let's look at the Harden side of it. He's thinking, well, first of all, he's James Harden. And he's headstrong, right? So you're, you're not dealing with a guy that's going to take this kind of thing lightly. So he says, oh, really? You're going to do me like this after, after what I did. I took less money last year to sign, to sign so you could get other players to help us win. I, I changed my position at the will of the head coach who wanted me to be more of a distributor. And now you're going to do this to me? So guess what? Hey, I'm going to now opt in, and I'm not playing for you all. Trade me. Now, guys like that think they have a trade market that's going to be readily available, which is what he misjudges. He misjudges two things, that and he misjudges his ability. Because what he's thinking is he'll go to another team, play on that one-year deal for $35 million, show he's the old James Harden where he scores 35 points a game and does, doesn't have to share the ball with Joel Embiid or, or, or be a, an assist man first, and then he gets his value back up, and he gets another long-term contract. That's where he's misguided about his ability because we, we you know basketball. We look at him and it's not the same. Yeah, he had a couple of lightning moments in the playoffs, but basically it took him every, every three days to generate that kind of energy to play. He's a declining player. Declining players are the last people to know that they're declining, especially one as headstrong as James Harden. So what happens now? Well, there are a lot of things that can happen. Let's go to the first one, the most favorable one. He says, you know what, I said that on motion. Uh, I have no better option than to play the one year with the Sixers. Uh, or stars in this league, they want to go somewhere, they usually get where they want to go. He wants to go to the Clippers. Uh, or the Sixers call his bluff and he says, I'm not playing. I'm going to hold out until you make the deal, which doesn't do anybody any good, especially your fan base, when you have a player that's dangling out there like we went through with Ben Simmons. And I can't live through that again. 
because the Sixers aren't going to be competitive to the point where they can beat Boston or Milwaukee, and everybody's going to go, what are you going to do with Harden? We want Harden back. We want Simmons back. We want a trade that brings guys that are worthy of those two players. It might not be available. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, except let's look at the deals. The Clippers will send you Norman Powell and Terrence Mann. You look at the, at the Clippers roster and their salaries, they're commensurate with what it's going to have to come back if you trade James Harden to the Clippers. Is that going to be good enough? Is that the best they can do? Are you going to convince your fans that those two role players are going to make you good enough? I don't know. Maybe with Nick Nurse's magic, it is. Chances are they're not going to say that's good enough. So a third team then would have to come involved. And who would be the player that would replace the production of Harden with that third team? I don't know who it is. That's why they paid Daryl Morey the big bucks. But I can tell you there's one guy that would work, and that's Damian Lillard. He wants to be traded now, but he wants to go to Miami. If you can somehow convince him that Philadelphia is his destination, then maybe you would have to make the deal. And in that deal, unfortunately, Maxie would have to go. Darren, you're, no. not a, you're, you're very upset no. by this. No. Maxie is 22 years old. There are 12 ties in my closet older than him. I'm not ready to give up on him. No, I'm not I'm not give up on him. I'm not moving him. No, absolutely not. Give not. It. You're Maxie not giving is, up on him. You're you're getting I'm a not player that can help phrase. facilitate a championship. No, I, no. I you got two already. You've got Maxie. He can facilitate he a championship. He's, He's not ready for that kind of a role. But he will be for a while. But time. you've got a smaller window. Ready. You've got Joel Embiid. You got to win now. I, I, Listen, I like Maxie too. He's not a superstar, and I don't know if he'll ever be a superstar. He's a nice player. He's a six-two guard. Give me other six-two guards that are superstars in this league. Allen Iverson is he Allen Iverson? <laughs> Well, okay. All right. Well, that's the point. <laughs> so, yeah, I think at first blush, you go, oh, I can't give up Maxi. You're getting Damian Lillard. You're going to compete for a championship for the next three years with him. I can't do uh, it. That's, Sorry. That's can't the typical it. reaction of somebody it, who doesn't think beyond the obvious. All I right. Can't. Can't okay. Uh, let's uh, review the Sixers and what they now have to replace so far because they lost some guys in free agency. And I'm seeing a, a lot of. Uh, Wow, how do we lose this guy? Tweets. Uh, George Niang is not one of my favorite players, okay? I have absolutely zero reaction to him signing with the Pacers. I don't think it hurts the Sixers a little bit. And and one thing I can guarantee is I won't have to hear bang, bang, George Niang again. All right? So they lose him. No big deal. They lose Shake to Minnesota. No big deal. They lose Jalen McDaniels to Toronto, which is basically a wasted trade. They gave away Matisse Thibel for nothing now. And I thought that was the type of player, long defender, that Nick Nurse usually thrives with. So I don't think that's a good thing, even though he obviously isn't a great player. But I thought he'd be a good role player for Nick Nurse. All right. So um, that's the, the current Harden situation. Now, let's move into the NBA and update you on all the things that have happened. The biggest splashes was made by the Houston Rockets and the Lakers. The Rockets signed Fred Van Vliet to an outrageous contract that he's not worth, but that's what the NBA is these days, and Dylan Brooks. So they got a couple of veteran guys, tough guys, leader guy in Van Vliet to, to get around all those young wings that they have. And it's going to still take them a while, but that's probably a good step for the Houston Rockets. They had money. They spent it on Van Vliet. Whatever. Uh, he's not worth that, but for me, for Houston, maybe he is. And and when uh, Harden saw that, he he went to a he went to a strip club and 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 repaid extra money, like he was like apoplectic. So he's throwing money all around uh, because he wanted to go to Houston. That didn't happen for him. All right, the Lakers, they signed some pretty good role players: uh, Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, uh, Cam Reddish. They re-signed their own player, Austin Reeves, who. Uh, who heads up my white man news. Austin Reeves got four years, $56 million. A kid who two years ago wasn't even an, a, a thought for the NBA. He gets $56 million in four years. Uh, D'Angelo Russell resigned. So, uh, and Cam Reddish. So they've got five guys that they now uh, included back on their team. And uh, it looks like they're a pretty solid team from top to bottom. Uh, the Clippers, while Russell Westbrook, they gave him two more years. 
And then they got K.J. Martin, who's a good young player from the Houston Rockets for two second-round draft picks, which to me is cheap to get a guy like that. So I thought the Clippers did well. Now here's the white man news already headed by Austin Reeves. White guy struck it rich in the NBA in this session. So Reeves got 56 mil. Dante DiVincenzo, our favorite little redhead from Delaware, uh, the Delaware Michael Jordan, as he called himself, reunited with his Villanova teammates with the New York Knicks. He got a bag, four years, 50 million for Dante, and he joins Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart as they try to rekindle a national championship team at Madison Square Garden. Max Struess, four years, 63 million from the Cavaliers. Oh, man. It's good to be a white shooter. Uh, Miami gets two second-round picks and a trade with Max Struess. The Spurs get Chady Osmond and Lamar Stevens, Penn State's finest, from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, and uh, Miami gets uh, basically nothing. <laughs> so the Spurs get players. Max Struess goes to, to the Cavs. And Miami gets two second-round picks, which, which are worth a napkin to wipe my mouth with for this morning's breakfast. Uh, Joe Harris, as we continue... Uh, the white man news uh, gets traded to the Pistons and Joe Ingles. Well, you talk about a guy stealing money, that guy, that Aussie plodding around uh, shooting left-handed jump shots. That's all he does. He goes to the magic. All right. Now more the heat time. Josh Richardson back. Josh Richardson wants a coveted piece that the Sixers wanted. They got in from Miami. Didn't work out. He bring him back. Bucks resigned by uh, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton. They're two, two big gets. The Pacers get Obi Toppin from the Knicks for two second rounds. You know, everybody thinks about this Obi Toppin, some kind of a player. What, what is he? Anyway, he goes to the Pacers. God bless him. And Bruce Brown gets lured from Denver to the Pacers. The Mavericks signed Kyrie to a three-year deal. They signed Seth Curry, a shooter off the bench. And they grab for Dante Exum, a former high-round draft pick who was playing in the Euro League for the last couple of years. He's also an Aussie. And imagine taking a chance on Dante Exum. The Raptors get Dennis Schroeder. The Oklahoma City Thunder get Victor Oladipo, and the Grizzlies get Derrick Rose. And I asked the Grizzlies this question. Why? Derrick Rose is 104. He hasn't played in, like, the last five years. He's the last man on the bed. What, what does that get? All right. Anyway, that does it for our NBA wrap for today on the podcast. Last thing we'll talk about uh, here in the uh, current is the Eagles and their early look. I had a conversation. I happened to be down the shore. I'm hanging out with a buddy of mine. And he says, what do you think about the, the Eagles? They're the number one. They're going to be the number one seed. I go, who else is there? And so I tried to, to stack it and go through the teams that could challenge in the NFC for a number one seed. Now, we talked last week about the Sixers and their over-under total of 11 and a half. I've got them with 11 shore wins. And one win is going to have to be uh, against one of those teams in that that tough six-game schedule that they're going to have to win that you might not think they, they win. So let's look at the, at the contenders for the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, 49ers. Yeah, the, the 49ers are a viable team. They've got a cornerback problem, however, and they're, they're playing in revenge against the Eagles, which is a very important game for a tiebreaker situation for number one seed. Lost their defensive coordinator. Yeah. So they're they're under the, the they're under the Eagles is my point. They're a contender, but they're under the Seahawks. Yeah. Well, their run defense was the last in the league. They haven't really improved that to the point where they're they're going to be a number one seed. They're a nice team. Uh, the Cowboys and the Giants from the division. Cowboys are good, not as good as the Eagles. Giants, they're not ready to take that surge to the top of the division. Uh, the Detroit Lions, well. No, they're not ready for that yet either. And the Minnesota Vikings. Not ready, but, quote, getting there. They're getting, getting there, there, but they're not ready. And the Vikings, their defense is weak. And then there's Tampa Bay. I don't know. You want to throw them in there? Baker Mayfield's going to take no. them to the number one seed. No. So there you go. The 49ers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Giants, Lions, Vikings, Tampa Bay. Who beats the Eagles for the number one seed? It, I, I don't see anybody. I already have a room at the MGM in February. Super Bowl. They're going back. Well, Walking listen, back. I'm just talking number one seed here. I'm not talking Super Bowl. Number one seed helps you get to a Super Bowl. I'm not going that far. Barring injury, walking back. (laughs) All right. So that'll do it for the top of this podcast that we call The Current. It's the Mike Nussanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, folks. Our big guest today is a man who's going to explain this James Harden situation, which came upon us like, uh, like a lightning bolt. All of a sudden, bang, 
when we were conditioned to think that, okay, he was going to opt out. They were going to sign him at a lesser deal and we're going to move on. And that's the way it's going to be. Keith Pompey from the Inquirer covers the Sixers joins us. Hello, Keith. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, but now you're busy. So I'm thinking that, like, you thought this is going to be an off uh, off session for you, and all of a sudden James Harden throws a curveball. When you first heard about it, what was your reaction? I was shocked, man. It was it was crazy because one of my editors hit me up that morning and was like, hey, is there any way that he will opt in? I was like, nah, man. <laughs> you crazy? And then I was like, uh-oh, I messed up. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it shocked me a little bit. Um, you know, you, you kind of figured – as they were progressing, that the market really wasn't there. You know what I mean? Like, then all of a sudden you start hearing about Fred Van Bleet with uh, the Rockets. And the they were the only, Sixers and the Rockets were the only two teams. And, you know, the Sixers kept saying, we're not trying to mess up our short and learn long-term future. And then all of a sudden, bam, he opts in. So that tells you that the market wasn't as good from other teams that he thought it was going to be, so... All right, we're going to get to, to Harden's side of it in a moment, but let's look at the Sixers' side. And I think most fans would have been on board with this. A lot of them were done with Harden after the playoffs. That was unrealistic because Philadelphia fans react emotionally and they don't really uh, evaluate the other side. Okay, how are you going to replace his production? They just want him gone. So I, I'm getting the impression that the Sixers drew a line and said, yeah, we, we'll take you back, but we're going to only give you a two-year deal, and we're only going to give you between 35 and $40 million, which is not a significant raise in what we paid you, what you signed for. Um, is that what happened here? And he reacted like James Harden, which is, oh, yeah? Well, I'll show you. Screw you. Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, what does it say? Um, I, I, I always mess up this as saying, but what is a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush. You know what I mean? And I think that's what it was because – you know, the thing is, let's say if he opted out, and we're talking about 35.6, you know, I'm hearing that the Sixers could have offered him less than that, you know? So when you look at that, is it's like, dang, I'm, I'm opting out to take a pay cut? So, yeah, that's what it was. It was like, listen, I don't want to be here. I'll opt in, and you guys can just trade me, and we, and we both can become happy, you know? So I, I think it was more on the lines of that, you know? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, what happened then to the relationship between Daryl Morey and Harden being his love child? You know what? I, I think that in this situation, it's not really Daryl Morey. You know, Daryl Morey. At the end of the day, James Harden is his love child, and they both made a lot of money because of each other, right? But at the same time, Josh Harris own is the managing, you know, partner of this team. So I think that when stuff like that happens, it comes out and, you know, it comes out that the owner is the one who makes the final decision. And I feel like they're the ones that are looking at it and they're seeing it. I mean, they watch the games just like we did. And they're seeing like, hey, if we put a lot of investment in this guy, how is that really going to put us back? Let's face it. We're seeing guys nowadays being traded from teams because no one wants to pay that second apron. So do you want to keep a James Harden there where you're not 100% sure that he's going to be on the top of his game? Yeah, now now I got Love Child in my head. I got Diana Ross in my head. Love Child. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. Uh, all right, so. Uh, I'd like to know, okay, did so we the set Sixers, some creepy shit on this podcast? That's the creepiest thing I've heard. It is creepy, <laughs> but it's in my head now, right? Uh, so anyway, so let, let's work on, on, on this Sixer thing. So. I, I assume they thought that, okay, if if he is going to opt in, then why would he want to be traded just to go to another team to prove the same thing over again when he can play that last year with us and be a contender? And this is where Spike comes in. So now let's look at Harden's side. So Harden's thinking, after all I did for you all, I took a pay cut, I changed my game, Maury wooed me here with the, the promise that we, you know, we're going to be a love child and you do this to me. So just for spite, I can go somewhere else, rehabilitate my image as James Harden. And then on the uh, after that one year, I'll get a bag. Yeah. And you're 100 percent right. I mean, think about it. Like how many times, you know, how many times have you and this isn't the first time it happened, but how many times have you like have heard of a player? give up 15 
million dollars, right? So you can sign my boys. So you can sign these dudes. And I'm like, James kept saying, I'm going to do everything possible to help this team. He kept saying it. We thought like, okay, whatever. Then he takes 15 million less. And then, so you think on just because of principle, because I took 15 million less, I'm at least going to get 50 mil. I'm at least going to get 50. So if you don't get that, and even like, you know, of course people say, oh, nah, no one said anything. We didn't talk to him about that. If you talk to him about that or not, he's under the assumption that that's what's going to happen. And when you don't get it, you're going to be a little bit upset. You're going to be upset. And that's why you're like, okay, I'm going to opt in. And and then I want to, but first of all, he had to opt in probably to get the money, but I'm going to opt in. And then I'm going to, I want to go elsewhere. Get me out of here. Okay. But he only wants to go apparently to one place. So let's talk about the, so first of all, the, the, the general question is, is there a possibility? What percentage of possibility that all this plays out, nothing happens. They can't get a trade. Does he play for the Sixers or does he Ben Simmons it? Yeah, you know what? I I think I, I kind of think that he would play for the Sixers. I mean, I, I think, but let's face it, he he played for the Houston Rockets <laughs> and he showed up what they said in a fat suit, right? So yeah. it's kind of like he'll play, but but it, it, it might not be the for a new coach, it's not an ideal situation. You know what I mean? So but it's, then, not, it's not a go team situation for Harden if he comes back to the Sixers. He's going to go through the motions, is what you're suggesting. I mean, I, I don't you know. See, here's the tough part. So he did that in Houston, and then all of a sudden, we all forget that Ben Simmons' trade didn't happen until he decided that he didn't want to play for Brooklyn again. So now it's kind of like you already have two strikes that you did it. So the third time, you might be better off if you want to get paid and you want to stay in this league and be this guy it might better suit you to come in and be a good soldier. But there's still an element that if I'm the Sixers, I'm still a little concerned that if I keep them on here, it based off of what I went through with Ben Simmons and based off James' history, that there is a chance that it could, it, it could become a wasted season, at least early on. So it might be ideal for them to move them beforehand because anything could happen. Do you, do you think this will take a long time? I, I think that it could wait until the end, until right before the start of the season. I do. I do. I think it could. It could be one of those things that plays. Well, out. you know, and, I mean, Daryl Morey came on my show when I had a show way back, and he said if it took me four years. That trade Ben Simmons is going to take four years. So, yeah. like they they dug in back that, and I envisioned another scenario like that. But let's look at where he can land now. Keith, you've been covering the league. We're talking to Keith Pompey, covers the Sixers for the Inquirer. Covered the league for a long time. You know, these dudes today, when they want to go somewhere, they usually get where they want to go. Exactly. Uh, and, and it's simply because other teams are reluctant to trade for him. You don't want to come here. What are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to bail out on me or you're not going to report, whatever it is. So pretty much they get where they want to go. He wants to go to the Clippers. How feasible is it straight up with the Clippers or would a third team have to be involved here? You know, I, I think, it, it, to be honest with you, for the Sixers to get what they want, a third team has to be involved. Because, you know, I don't. You know, I don't see like, okay, Kawhi, Kawhi, first of all, Kawhi Leonard's a great player, but he's been on the injury list. He he missed more games than he played in the last two years, right? But he's a guy that they're going to say, nah, like, we ain't even going to pick up the phone, bro. Like, why are you calling asking about Kawhi? And then Paul George is like, uh, you know, like James, I know he he averaged 10.7 assists. I don't know if I want to give you Paul George for James, right? So they're going to try to give him some role players. Now, the thing about Daryl Morey, he's a little bit in the pickle, right? So whereas it's kind of like they know they got to go to the Eastern Conference Championships. The role players that they're talking about giving them, yes, it makes their bench better, but it doesn't catapult them over Milwaukee or Boston. Or and if Dame goes to Miami, right? So if, if, if in order for Daryl to get what he wants, it may have to be a third team involved to get that elite player because we all love Marcus Morris. We all love, um, you know, Powell. Norman Powell and Terrence Norman Mann. Norman Powell and right? all them. You know, and I think Norman Powell is a great player. You know, Marcus Morris, Philly guy, brings the toughness, the whole nine. 
but I don't know if 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 you take James Harden off the team and you got Norman Powell in the starting lineup to where people are going to say, yeah, y'all can beat Miami and Boston or 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 Milwaukee in a seven game series. All right, so it's a bigger fish that they need, and I agree with you uh, because they have to replace that that output that Harden gave them. So the biggest fish is the guy you just mentioned, Damian Lillard, and it's being talked about how they can somehow swing that where Damian Lillard plays here. Maxi would go to Portland. That would be a casualty of the whole thing. He wants to go to Miami, which means he's probably going to go to Miami. But is that feasible that he could be a sixer if they work some kind of a three-team deal? You know, and I'm with you. Like, um, um, remember what you said a couple minutes ago, where these guys nowadays in the NBA, if you don't, if you don't want to go somewhere, you want to go somewhere, you typically end up there. And I know what Portland is saying. Oh, it's not all about Miami. Nah, you're trying to scare Miami to give you stuff because Miami's like, we're not giving you what you want. Bring the dude here. Like, just get it over with. I don't think it's smart for the Sixers to go after Dame unless you get, like, you got to sit down with him and have a real big talk with him because I feel like you're going to have to lose a Tyrese Maxey who outside of Joel Embiid is your best asset, right? Tyrese mm-hmm. So you're going to have to lose him for a guy who's looking and he's thinking, and he, Dame's a great person, but he's probably thinking, man, how in the heck can I get out of here and get to Miami? So next thing you know, you end up have to retrade him. He's going to be a couple month rental and you gave up Maxi. I don't, I don't see it, man. I, I don't because of that. And don't get me wrong. I think Dame is a great player. He is. Everybody talks about his defense. I think that with Joel Embiid anchoring things, you know, all of a sudden people like, oh, wow, I didn't know he made that that stop. Nah, he didn't. Joel was in front of behind him. But at the same time, I think that he would be a great fit. But when players say they really want to go somewhere and they come out and say it, they mean it. Mike, you've been covering stuff before me. How much stuff do we hear behind closed doors? about stuff guys want to go. But they won't come out. Now, they want the reporter to put it out there, as sources say, but then they always deny it. But once a player comes out publicly saying, this is where I want to be, you know, you, you, he telling you. <laughs> no, I get it. And, and that's the, the last that's If I'm Maury, I don't know if I could have a peaceful day at this point because he's under the gun to do something bigger. And if it's not Dame, what's he going to do? And he's going to sell Norman Powell, Terrence Mann to the Philadelphia fan base. That's not going to work either. So uh, th- this is a real quandary for the Sixers. Now, let me just talk to you about the NBA in general because, you know, in the NBA, Keith, it's really changed because before – you were trying to get as much cap space as you could so you can get in the, in the pool for a big free agent. Now that it's like non-existent. It, it doesn't happen that way anymore. Like these guys with the max contracts and, and, and the all-star team and all that stuff, these guys don't go for a big bag somewhere. And the teams that had the big bag were the lesser-known teams that nobody's going to go to anyway. What state is the NBA in right now? It's the craziest time I could ever remember. Yeah, it's different, man. It, it, the whole thing is different. You know, it's the craziest time. But also, and, you know, it, it, the, the, the weird part is, like, a lot of guys, they like they, they, they got it. The NBA is a little bit rigged in a way. And I'm going to tell you this. So the teams that got the bag, nobody wants to go to, right? <laughs> but, yes. but unless, but then there's a couple of dudes are saying, how do I get another bag? So what you do is you'll go to a, a bogus team, right? And you'll just become the biggest gunner in the world, right? And then you score a bunch of points. So then what happens is since you scored a bunch of points, when the all-star thing comes out, people don't watch the games. They see highlights and they're like, oh, he's going to be an all-star. And then next thing you know, then also the fans vote for him. And then all of a sudden, then when the all-NBA comes, and I'm an NBA voter too, and I hate to say this, Mm -hmm. but what we do is you get like you got your first team, your second team, Third team, oh, I don't know who I'm going to pick. Then you start looking at stats, and then all of a sudden, the guy who scores more than the other one makes it. But typically, he's on a bogus squad, and then he becomes a max salary dude. Yes. So players care more about that until they get old, until they're about to retire, than winning championships. So it's yeah. kind of like this is why we're always in this cycle. 
You know what I mean? Like guys are getting paid. And then what happens is then the championship teams, they can't keep the young talent because all of a sudden their stock comes up. You know what I mean? So then they send them to a bogus team and then guess what? They get paid. So <laughs> never ending cycle. Yeah, yeah for instance, eight teams entered this offseason with max or near max cap space. It was the Pistons, Rockets, Pacers, Magic, OKC, San Antonio, Utah. Only one free agent. Fred Van Vliet was the guy that was in, and he got overpaid, but that, that's the one guy who went to a team that had some cap space. And it never used to be that way. Nah, I mean, nah, I mean, but then you also realize he went to the state where it is like tax free, right? The contract he got was amazing amongst the other contracts, which blew my mind, but it's the NBA, man. And, and I just go, Okay, well, the landscape has changed. I, I don't know how this affects the fan base, but this is the world we live in with the NBA. So, all right, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Last thing I'll talk to you about is what do you think – I know you're looking to do a crystal ball, but what, what do you think happens here? Is Did they make a deal for Harden? Did they make a deal for Harden that's anywhere productive that pushes them closer to the main contenders in the Eastern Conference? Does Harden hold out, or does he play with the Sixers half-ass for a year? Like, what's your most likely scenario? Oh man, my most likely. See the the weird. It's it's tough, Mike. I'm gonna be honest with you because it, 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 here's the thing, and, and I'm sorry if I'm be long winded, but before he opted out, I mean, excuse me, before he opted in, everybody wanted him to opt. Well, everybody was afraid that he would opt out and the Sixers would pay him. But we all knew if he opted out, they wouldn't have enough money to replace him. So the best thing would have been is just keep him and try to play out the season and for them to win the championship. So the thing is, that might be their best option if they can't get what they want. Because like you said, I like Norman Powell. I love Marcus Morris. Terrence Mann is a, is a great up-and-coming player. But the Philadelphia fan base is going to be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? That's not going to win. And I don't think that's going to get them out of, of Boston. I mean, that's not going to get them out of the second round. But I, I do feel like that they're probably not going to want to deal with the circus because, A, you got a new coach. They saw what happened to Doc Rivers. And I feel like what they're going to do is they're probably going to end up trading him and probably getting guys with expiring contracts back, right, and then go for the push next season. Now, I don't know what that does to Joel Embiid, or anything like that. But the thing is, I can see that happening because if you're Nick Nurse, do you really want to be – I mean, you got to have a long, hard conversation with James. But do you really want to inherit this problem your first year? And I don't think you do. So the alternative for the Philadelphia fan base is to take maybe a gap year or to take a chance the Sixers cross their fingers and say maybe he'll play for a year. I mean, it could, I'm just saying, like, it could be, I, I like, again, I, you know, I don't know because anything could happen. Like, think mm -hmm. about it. <laughs> Two months ago, everybody thought he was going, everybody thought he was going to Houston. So you, yeah. you never know. But the thing, like, to me, Mike, it just seems like the 76ers are asking for a lot. And the reason why they're, and, and everyone's saying, yo, what are they doing? Why are they asking for too much? Because they have to. Because they have to get out of the second round. Yeah, and their fan base isn't going to be tolerant of just role players. I get it, man. Uh, it's it's an interesting quandary, and it's going to keep you busy for the rest of the summer because you never know when this is going to come down. Dude, thanks for coming on. The great Keith Pompey covering the Sixers for the Inquirer. Always great to talk to you, brother. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Happy holiday. You too. It's the Mike Nussanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, thanks to Keith Pompey for joining us. Great insight and opinions from Keith to what's going to happen with the Sixers. We're all on hold right now. It is now time for Mike Unleashed. And, you know, Mike Unleashed goes all around the globe. Sports, life, entertainment, whatever. Some, uh, some things that I just noticed in my demented brain that pop into my head from stuff I've read or talked about during the week. Let's start out with the Phillies. We haven't talked about the Phillies yet. The Phillies uh, had a bad loss on Sunday, but they, they are still making a move. Uh, and interestingly enough, they kind of have the same record they had last year at the same time. So they're poised to be into that playoff spot. However, only one all-star. Uh, and that was Nick Castellanos. He certainly deserved it. He And well, he went crazy on Sunday to cement it. 
it's all good. Now, they are uh, in the wild card slot in the playoffs still a uh, game and a half behind the Giants, two behind the Dodgers. The Marlins are at the top in the wild card spot. I believe the Marlins will falter. So what you then have to do is watch the survivor of the Reds Milwaukee. Whoever wins that division, you look at the other team, either the Reds or Milwaukee, who's going to be in that, in that wild card hunt. So uh, let's just say the Reds uh, hold on to Milwaukee, and uh, then there's the Marlins and the Giants and the Dodgers. Uh, and those are the, I believe at the end of the day, the Phillies will rise above all those teams and make the second or even third wild card spot. Darren, your thoughts? I, I, I agree with you. Um, they will make the playoffs. They're too good. Their pitching is fine. I will say one thing that's bothering me right now about this team. I don't care if you dump 19 runs on a shitty Nationals team. When you lose two out of three at home to them, the 19 runs can can hit the bricks. I, I, things like this, that's what bothers me about this team, is they do seem to fall asleep for days at a time. And that I can't explain because there's too many leaders on the team. That's what scared me. Um, you know, uh, I'm watching the game, and obviously the, the obvious thing, after before the Grand Slam, the uh, inning was extended because Marsh didn't catch a fly ball and didn't take charge in center field. You know, I like that kid, but he he's like, he's a spaceman sometimes. Like, he, this is not the first time he's had a charge. Like, you Kyle Schwarber to your right. How do you not take charge? You should you should be like Gary Maddox. Every ball that goes in the air, you should be calling him He's off. a little immature. And he kind of lollygagged it, and the ball dropped. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. He's a little immature. He makes some dumb mistakes out there a little bit. But he's really talented, and he's really come a long way hitting. Kevin Long's doing a job with him. Yeah. Now, now the rotation, Suarez took a step back. So, I don't know. It's the Suarez, Taiwan Walker. It, that's all right, that, that's going to have to be what holds up. Uh, all right, so you're fighting Phils at the All-Star break and Nick Castellanos. Good for him, man, because I, I didn't see it. Uh, I know a lot of people out there predicted he was going to become back player of the year. They were right. I was wrong about it. All right, number two on Mike Unleashed, Michael Imperioli, who played Chris Moltisante in The Sopranos for many years, a great character, was freaking out on Twitter uh, because uh, of this uh, Supreme Court ruling and all the, the right uh, uh, slanted stuff that's going on right now. Uh, he announced that he is forbidding bigots and homophobes from watching any of his film or TV work. Now, he has a long list. Of course, uh, Goodfellas was a big one for him, but he was also recently in, in The White Lotus. He's been in a million law and orders as a detective. Um, he was in even way back when the Basketball Diaries. If you remember that movie, he was the guy who was uh, bedridden with cancer uh, in that movie. Uh, now, listen, his thoughts are noble. But it's basically just the call in the wild. You know, you don't. Wait think a minute! He, you forgot his biggest role. What? What's that? Spider. What? Spider. Spider. Oh, yeah! I just said. Good, I said Goodfellas. Oh, you did say That's Goodfellas. The first I thing it. I said. I'm what, what are you? What, what are you, Brad March? <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. In, in any oh, event. It's a nice gesture by him. It's his opinion. He, he stands by it. Uh, people aren't going to uh, not watch the Goodfellas anymore because he said that. So, uh, but, you know, he, he, he put it out there and, and good for him. Uh, who knows how that hurts his career? Uh, it says it's hurt. It's hurt other people's career to be anti right wing. We'll, we shall say. All right. So in any event, but let's go over a couple. See what I think of. Of of uh, Christopher Moltisante, I think of the Sopranos, and um, I a couple of lines pop up. All right, now the one because he was rude and he said stuff that were really offensive to people, and even his girlfriend Adriana. So when Adriana was uh, having the, the situation with the FBI, that was giving her turmoil inside, and she had like a colitis situation where she couldn't control her bowels. Uh, Chris Moltisanti made fun of it, and uh, so she he was loading up a truck he had to go on the road to do something, and she appears, and he says, hey, my stinky Valentine. Right? Remember that? <laughs> Come on. Oh, that's, that's just so rude. Right? And, and then, of course, I can come up with a million lines on the, uh, the, 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 pine, <laughs> the Pinelands episode where they're out there and they're looking for the, the, the checking the assassin, right? And, and of course, the, he and Paulie have it all screwed up. And uh, he, <laughs> he says, Paulie's on the phone with Tony trying to explain to him that the guy's a Chechen rebel and he's dangerous. And uh, Paulie says, thinks he, he, he said he was a, 
he's from Czechoslovakia and he's an interior des- designer. And Moltisanti goes, interior decorator? Well, his apartment looked like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so there you go. Just a couple of lines. From- my, my favorite was, what was, what was it? Johnny Sack's daughter was Allegra. Yes. And he goes, who, who the fuck names their kid after cold medicine? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he had a bunch of great lines as... Uh, Christopher Moltisante, Michael P- Imperioli. Uh, okay, uh, number three on uh, Unleashed today is speaking of noble. Charles Barkley, he responded to the Supreme Court ruling to el- eliminate affirmative action by saying now he's changing his will. $5 million he's leaving to scholarships at Auburn. Now, that's a wonderful gesture. But let me, let me just say here that affirmative action affected the admission process. So this isn't going to increase the number of, of minorities admitted to Auburn. It's just going to give the ones that are admitted some money. And I don't think he figured that out. The only 5% of all students at Auburn are black. So it's nice that he wants to give scholarships to, to, to black students there, but they're the ones that have been already accepted. Affirmative action was supposed to accept more black students, and that is what the harm of this whole thing is. So maybe Charles can figure out a way to, you know, I don't know how he can figure out a way, but... Uh, I think he he spoke from the cuff, which he often does, but it's the admission process that'll be affected uh, at at Auburn. And now if you have a a white applicant and a black applicant uh, with with, uh, uh, maybe black applicant is is GPA was a little less than white. So affirmative action would give that that black student a a slot at Auburn. And now uh, the admission goes, oh, we're just taking a white guy. We're not compelled anymore. And I I don't know if that increases minorities anywhere uh, in America to get an education. All right. So, uh, number four, this is a, an offbeat thing because uh, my cleaning lady, who's a sweetheart, she's a, she's a Latino, and uh, it, it, she's very humorous, and she's very opinionated about where I have stuff in my house and what I should change, and she changes a lot of stuff. So, she'll clean the house, I'll come back, and this play, the thing has been placed here, and uh, so uh, she's very eccentric, and uh, so... Uh, I uh, I come home and I had just gone to the store and she was still there t- uh, doing a couple of rooms, the last couple of rooms. And I was looking for my uh, my Roma tomatoes, which I had purchased. I bought a bag of five Roma tomatoes, nice ones. And I had them on my 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 counter and I'm looking for them because I was going to make a turkey sandwich, a little <laughs> tomato and lettuce in there. And uh, <laughs> so, so I go, I go, uh, uh, Danea, where where's the tomato? She goes uh, in the refrigerator. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Tomatoes don't belong in a refrigerator. You don't put tomatoes in a refrigerator. It takes the flavor out of them. And she goes, oh, no, I was wondering why my tomatoes are always lousy. <laughs> so, so I started to think about, I just wanted to straighten this out for people out there. Because this was. Did she really say all my tomatoes are yes. lousy? That's why. Yeah, I wondered why. So so anyway, uh, uh, this was a big issue on social media about Heinz saying, where does ketchup belong in a refrigerator or not? Heinz came out with a statement that says you, you should put the ketchup in the refrigerator. A lot of people say you don't because restaurants keep it at room temperature and it's, it's fine. That's not a food that should be in the refrigerator. If you want to put it in, it's not going to hurt it. But here are some foods that do not belong in a refrigerator, Darren. And I don't know if you knew this. You can't put bananas in the refrigerator. Knew that. All right. You, you, no coffee in the refrigerator. Knew that. All right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No honey in the refrigerator. Knew, yeah. No I fresh herbs. That. You can't put fresh herbs in the refrigerator. They'll wilt and get brown. I live like I'm, I'm in Sicily. My tomatoes and my herbs are okay. all Okay. Yeah, so far, you're good. Bread. No bread, bread in the refrigerator. I got a bread drawer in my in my cabinet. That a guy. My, uh, um, oil. I don't know who puts oil in the refrigerator, but you shouldn't put oil in the refrigerator either. Every Italian has their oil where, Mike? Where do you put your oil? I put it by the stove. Well, under the sink. No, I don't put it under the sink. I keep it out. I keep all my oils out. I use them a lot. I put them right there on the countertop next to the stove. Uh, Avocados, I don't eat avocados, but you don't put them in the fridge either. No onions, no potatoes, no garlic. Cucumbers don't belong in the refrigerator. No hot sauce, no apples, no eggplant, and no stone fruits. Peaches, nectarines, plums, they don't go in the refrigerator, all right? The two two things I didn't know, hot sauce doesn't go in the fridge, because I have like 12 hot sauces. Don't eat in the fridge, Cucumbers. Cucumbers don't go in the fridge? 
All right. Last thing we're going to do today uh, on uh, Mike Unleashed are comedians. I happen to be, you know, listen, I, I scour the internet for stories. And, you know, so some of the people have stories, uh, comedians that aren't funny. And I saw a picture of Amy Schumer. She she headed the, the, now I used to think she was funny. Now I agree that she's not funny. So you're a, you're a comic expert. I'm going to throw these I people am. at I you am. that were listed as being not funny. You say yes not or no. Funny. Okay. All right. James I'll Corden. Say not funny. James Corden. Who? Oh, James Corden, not funny but talented. Okay. Ellen DeGeneres. Not not anymore. She was great when she was young. Not, not you anymore. thought she was funny when she was young? When she was very young. Really? Yeah. When she first started, yeah. Yeah, I, I never was. never found her funny. Jimmy Fallon. Okay. Uh he's not funny as a stand up. Uh, he's good at impressions though. I like his impressions. Yeah, not funny. Did you ever hear his Michael McDonald? Yeah. Really funny. Not funny. Uh, not, not funny. Uh, Carlos Mencia. Don't like him. No, not funny. Uh, and he's the, he's the guy him. who's been accused of stealing other people's material. He was called by, I think, uh, another thief, Joe Rogan, Carlos Menstila. Dane Cook is the biggest thief. Although a lot of people used to say Robin Williams was a big thief. Really? Too, go ahead. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Uh. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't know. I don't know. Not no, funny, not but funny. his writers are poignant. Yeah, he's got good writers. Good writers. Uh, all right, Jay Leno. No, not funny. And Larry the Cable Guy. Never thought he was. <laughs> never got that act. That, that, but that act's not for me. He's not coming after me. I'm not his target demographic. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a few states north of his target all demographic. All right. Let's, uh, let's close it down today. with uh, I've, I've been teasing that I'm going to give away a Mike Miss podcast hat to somebody in the form of sound off. And, and to do this, all you have to do is send me an email that will get my attention. It's either entertaining, funny, poignant, interesting, whatever it is. I can't, I can't define what's going to make me react, but I have a winner. This is our first winner. We're going to do this once every two weeks. And again, to do this, all you can do is send me an email, sit down. I know it's, it's not as easy as calling a sound offline and leaving a message. I get it, but yeah, sit down email. You don't have to be grammatically correct. It's the thoughts that count. So our first winner is a guy named Phil out of uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, who's a transplanted uh, Philadelphian. And uh, he's from Allentown area. And he wrote me this uh, this email, and he's going to be our winner for this week because he got my attention. And he said, uh, my daughter, Sarah, was born 25 years ago in Allentown, PA. I always envisioned that on the birthday of my first child, I'd gather around with my buddies, have a few beverages, and pass out cigars. My daughter did not comply as she entered this world at 1 a.m. I arrived home at approximately 4 a.m. Now what? There's nobody there to celebrate. No beverages, cigars flying around, just a deafening silence in the house that was soon to become a home. I looked down at my laptop on the kitchen counter, opened it, and began to write to my daughter. Over the next 20-plus years, I recorded a lot of interesting things, including funny, mispronounced words and phrases she used as a toddler, places we enjoyed on Daddy-Daughter Day, and even shared some personal feelings during my rough times in my marriage. I always wrote in a style as if I was having a direct conversation with her and the writings took a life of their own. In the end, those 42 pages now are a documentary of her life growing up from my perspective and a father's love for his daughter. As fate would have it, Sarah turned out to be our only child. Fast forward to the week before her wedding in 2020 and the time had arrived to present the journal to her. The introduction explains how the journal began and I left her to her discretion whether or not to share it with anybody. I, I suspect her husband has probably read it, but I've never asked. Frankly, it doesn't matter to me either way. It's all about a dad and the love for his daughter. Life is good. That's from Phil Moore, and it's so touching, and I'm so glad he wrote that. And I don't know, you can't beat a letter like that. I know it's not about sports. It's just a, a personal memory, but it was well-written, and it touched me because my daughter's getting married in a couple of weeks, and uh, I will be recanting some of the things that uh, from from the uh, from growing up with her. And Darren, you have two daughters, so I'm thinking this letter will resonate with you. So this is our choice to win the Mike Miss Podcast uh, hat for uh, the sound off contest that we're doing right here on the Mike Miss Nelly Podcast. Your thoughts? Couldn't think of a better selection. Um, I feel he guys making me feel bad because 
Someone gave me that idea. What I did was when Danny was born, my oldest is, is now, thir- she'll be 14 in a, at the, uh, later this month. I, I started an email address. I put an email address in her name. And for the first like couple of years, like, I would write some things in emails to her. And then I was going to give her the email address when she was like 18 or whatever. And I stopped doing it. I don't know what happened, but I stopped doing it. And I feel bad that I stopped doing that because I wish I had continued to do that. Uh, your daughter's wedding will be, will be there in a month, less, or less than a month now. I don't know how you're going to get through it. I'm good. It's going to be tough someday when mine are still young, but there's nothing better in this world than having daughters. Uh, it's the greatest gift that you can have. And I'm, I'm happy for Phil. And believe me, we had a lot of good uh, uh, letters that were sent and you know, th- those letters will still be eligible for, for future prizes. The first one, uh, this uh, uh, Phil Moore from uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, uh, really uh, uh, captured uh, what uh, I was trying to, to talk about when, you know, just very thought provoking. So we appreciate it. And he's going to, I'm going to send him out a hat again. Uh, you send these, uh, uh, anything really feedback on anything you hear on this podcast or any feedback you want to give me my email address, Mike at Mike Very simple to remember Mike at Mike Cause that's my website, Mike And, uh, look for, for our, my video blog every Friday. I filed one last Friday. I hope you enjoyed it. We do one every Friday. So check out the website. And also, I just want to remind people that I'm on Cameo. I did a Cameo last week for a guy getting married. That's a personal shout out for me. Just go to Cameo.com and put my name in there and I will give you a, a personal shout out on uh, your, whether you it's a birthday, a wedding, a pep talk, uh, you got fantasy football coming up, uh, all kinds of stuff that I can uh, opine on. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm having fun doing it and I hope the people uh, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, and I hope I'm hitting the mark for people that asked me to do it. Uh, again, I'm down to shore. I'm going to head over to my vineyard a little later today. And Tally Vineyard, if, if you haven't been there, just stop in and tell them you know me. And, uh, you know, they might give you a, a, a couple bucks off a glass of wine. Natalie Vineyards is in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. We've been having a lot of fun with it. It's a really good destination to spend a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. So uh, thank you so much. And, uh, you're welcome to bring a few bottles on your way back. Just stop and see. I'll drop a few. Okay, bottles. Okay, I'll do that. Right and uh, also, we're we're looking for for people that that live down in this area. If you're interested in working the wine tasting room, if you have any experience, or you don't even have to have any experience, but uh, we we love to have some some more staff that to work the wine tasting room, which is it's a fun thing, man. You get, people come in for the tasting, and we have beautiful stems and. You taste uh, like about six wines and, uh, you know, if you feel like pouring wines and talking about wines, if that's your passion, we're always looking for employees. Go to uh, NataliVineyards.com and, uh, or get word to me and I'll pass it on to our general manager, Heather, down there. Uh, all right. I think that's about it today. Bet River sponsored uh, this Mike Missinelli podcast. Thanks for that. And also my great people at, at Natural Lawn. If you're looking for some lawn care, Natural Lawn is the place to go. They use organic materials. You don't have to worry about stepping on it or your pet stepping on it. And your lawn is going to look fantastic. Go to naturallawn.com and uh, find a local vendor near you. We're good. Everything good. Everybody have a great 4th of July. Darren, have a great 4th of July with the fireworks and all that stuff. Happy 4th, Mike. And we will talk to you later this week on the Mike Missinelli Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.